And welcome to another episode of Deal Talk. I'm Deal. Let's talk. My guest of the evening is an author. She just published her, her first book today. Her book is called Shayla, Ladies and Germans. Welcome to Regina LaFrance. Welcome to the show. How, how are you doing today? I am doing well. Thank you for having me. Thank you. You're most welcome. It's honored to have you. Is this your first book? Did I say that correct? Yes, this is my first book. It's a novel and it's based on true events of my life. Wow. What uh what inspired you? What 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 was your process? What made you decide and come out with a book? Because it's it's a tedious journey. You had to go through a lot. Yes. Um in 2015, I was working with a client. I'm a massage therapist. And oh, nice. my client was very upset and very tense that day. And I asked my client what was going on that day with her because she was unusually visibly upset and she told me that her little girl um maybe 10 11 12 years old um was having a really hard time she didn't want to go to summer camp that year that summer and this was like almost at the end of the school year where she had already made the plans for the her daughter to go to um actually she was going to the grandparents for the summer and from there she was going to go to camp and then back to the grandparents that kind of thing Okay. And the mother was very stressed out because she didn't know what to do with her for the summer because obviously she had to work and so did her husband. And the little girl just said, Mommy, Mommy, please don't let me go. I don't want to go. And when she asked her why, she she wouldn't tell her why. Mm. And that day, right when she was saying that, I started to feel my hands very sweaty and, and my heart was pounding, and in my mind, I believe that child, something had happened to that child mm. the summer before. And I wanted to tell her, poor child, something's going on, something happened to her, or something is happening to her. Because a child at that age, they just want to go someplace. They they love to play. They love to meet other people. They just love to go. And, and the child, they didn't want to go. Yeah. And it brought back memories um, for me when I was that age. And I pleaded with my mother not to let me go to music lessons. Because I was being molested there at the, at the time. Wow. And my mother told me I had to go. Because they want my mom and my dad, they wanted me to learn how to play an instrument. And they believed it was good for me to go and learn. I was always very smart and very curious to learn everything. And they thought that would be great for me to learn and then play in the church. And I was also at a very young age, nine, nine years old, I was singing in the choir with, with the choir group. So when I would go to the choir practice with the adults, which my parents felt totally safe with me going, the priest at the church was molesting me because at night when he would drive the people home after choir, mm -hmm. he would just always make a point to drop me off last. And that's when he would molest me in the car. And when I went to music lessons, he molested me during the lessons and then uh, from there, he uh, was able to convince my parents to let me go to his house during the summer vacation to help his elderly mother. 
and then the unthinkable happened there during that time. So when the little girl didn't want to go to camp, I became very nervous and extremely, extremely um, anxiety ridden. And I just wanted to tell the mother, ask her, uh, just try to ask her. But I didn't say anything because I didn't want to cross the line. I didn't, I, it wasn't my place to tell this wonderful mother how to watch out for her daughter. That night I went home, I called on my best friend and that was the first time I told anybody about what had happened to me. So during my teenage years, my 20s, 30s and 40s, I never told anyone, but I lived a life of chaos and a life of sadness and a life of depression. And I had extremely low self-esteem and I was always, always feeling unworthy and always had self-doubt. And I was never happy with anything. I would have a new job or a new car, a new relationship, or I even bought my own house when I was in my late thirties. Always had good jobs. I always studied hard. So I would always pass all the exams, no matter what. I've had a lot of professions. I've learned a lot of things, but there was things that I could control. So I was always the best at everything. Wow. And, but inside my mind, I was destroyed. Well, I'm, I'm, first of all, I'm, I'm sorry you had to, uh, you had to go through that. It, uh, it's unfortunate and it's unfair because you were just a child. Yes. It was, it's, uh, it's tragic because your, your parents, you know, as parents, sometimes we don't listen to our kids and these are sometimes the, the, the effects of not listening. So I'm, I'm sorry for you. I'm sorry for for your for your client's little girl. And um, but uh, so I'm guessing it was really hard for you to write this book. Yes. So that night, I told my best friend everything. At first, I told her there was a little girl that was really hurt back at home, and I didn't want to tell her it was me. And I told her that I thought that little girl had died, and that little girl is still very much alive. Because what I felt was that pain that day. I, I put it behind me and I didn't want to really talk about it or relive it. But when I realized that that little girl could be in distress, I started thinking about other children, boys or girls. And I started thinking that possibly if I wrote my book, I wanted to create awareness to people in charge of raising children, create awareness to look for the signs. And in 2015, I wrote what had happened to me in great detail. And I, I had about 8,000 words. And then I put it away because I didn't really, English is my second language and I didn't really have the skills and I didn't have the money to pay someone to write my book. And I said, ah, oh, this, this is not gonna happen. And then three years ago, I was at a function and a lady that was there that is now a good friend of mine, I asked her, what do you do for a living? And she said, I am a book editor. And out of my mouth comes, oh, maybe someday you can edit my book. And she said, you wrote a book? I said, I tried to write a book. And she said, well, let's find out what that's about. I'll be over um, someday next week and you can tell me what you got. 
Well, I went looking for that old laptop because meanwhile, I moved to North Carolina from Boston because yeah. I lived in Boston for 37 years. Wow. My husband and I had moved to North Carolina because he retired and the laptop was nowhere to be found. Wow. But we went, we found it. We went looking for it. We had to um, use the the disc that used to go inside the CD-ROM mm -hmm. disc. And we got it and we took it somewhere and got that transferred to um, to online. And when my friend came over, my new friend came over and I read to her what I had written. And she said, Regina, you have to start today. And, and, and that's that what I did. It took me about a year to write my book. I cried a lot. Even my own husband didn't know anything that had happened that um, after, well, like I said, after I went to stay at the priest's house for the summer vacation. He had no idea. I never wanted anyone to know because I, I, I associated that with me not being good enough. And I wrote it. And then after a year, I um, I, I hired a, a professional writer to help me format it and everything. And we we started, uh, I started from day one. There was a little girl that lived on the farm. And then when my uh, writer um, saw the everything, she said, we're going to make your chapter seven, chapter one. We want the readers to just read this and say, what what happened there that day and then from there we go um and and continue on so chapter one is really um was my original chapter seven so that took about a year we did one chapter a month give or take and then we were done um at the end of the summer last year and then um i wanted to do my website and a book promotion because i want a movie named yeah. shayla so we had to really go all the way and with a promotion and and uh, it's perfect. My website, we did a, a movie trailer called Shayla. Yeah, I was trailer. watching it right now, yeah. Yes. And in that movie, I go to the therapist's office to talk about what happened. And um, it's like a flashback dream. I go to the scene of the crime to rescue my inner self my child, my inner child that is still hurting at the scene of the crime. And I go there and she's still there in the same place in the cemetery where the priest took her to abort her unborn child. Hmm. And then I grab her out of that place and I run away with her. Because originally I wanted the movie to be an emotional freedom release like a dance. But then we brainstormed. We thought it would be in, before we get to the dance, we're going to go in and rescue the inner child. And that's what I've been doing since about three years ago when I started writing. Once I let it all out with the intent to help children, I helped me. Yeah. My original intent was to just create awareness now I have another intent, which is equally as important as the first one. So I want to keep children safe. So I want to create awareness. 
If a child cries out for something, if they don't want to go somewhere, or if they don't want to talk about something, but they stress out, we need to listen. And then I want to also reach out to victims and show them what I have done to achieve my emotional freedom and to achieve my peace and my balance. And that's where I am now. I feel free. I feel balanced. I let it all out. And it's so good that I I started writing the book to help other people, but I didn't even know it was going to help me the way that it did. have to look in the mirror and say, self, it wasn't your fault. Right. It's never a child's fault. And this I will tell anyone, anywhere, as loud as I can. It is never a child's fault. And we grow up, me and so many others, men and women, it doesn't have to be sexual abuse. It could be physical abuse. It could be alcoholic parents. It could be lack of parent in the household. It could be um, the next door neighbor. It could be as a young adult, you have a, a relationship that is abusive or even marriage you could be married to a person who is a drug addict, an alcoholic, or even almost worse, a narcissistic <laughs> yeah. person. And now you, you, you're 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 crazy. You feel crazy. A, a narcissistic personality is very dangerous, and that's a different book for the future. That's that's a different. Yeah. Totally. Yes. Very very dangerous. Very difficult. So. You could come around from a variety of backgrounds. It could be anything. So when you're a child and you suffer trauma, you grow up immediately feeling that you are not good enough, that you are not attractive or um, beautiful for the young girls. So the boys might think that they're not good enough to go on dates. So they might not be good enough to play sports. They might not be good enough to ask a girl out. A lot of pressure on the young adults, girls and boys, like through through the latest couple of years of high school. If you have stuff that happened to you when you were little, or even like I don't know, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, that's gonna show up when you're in your high school um, senior year. The girls might not be asked out to the prom. The boys might be too embarrassed or not feel good enough about themselves to ask the girls. And that's just going to lead into their 20s. And then they become parents. And guess what? They're not going to know. They they most likely will do the same thing to the to the children. It might not be abuse, abuse like physical abuse and definitely not sexual abuse. It could be just neglect because they themselves are still suffering. And we need to stop the madness. Yeah, I agree. Yes, we need to stop the madness. We need to stop it. We need we need to get out there and 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 just say to people, if you're an adult and you're suffering, there are ways for you to feel better. I used to and this is funny. I've never I've never drank a lot, but out with the girls or have girls uh, over or whatever. I'm cooking a meal. I like to have a glass of wine here and there, and that's fine. A couple of glasses of wine, you feel relaxed. Or come home from work all stressed out. 
my husband will have the glass of wine on the counter. Mm -hmm. And that's okay. Most people, adult people do that. Well, guess what? Since I wrote this book and since I've achieved this kind of balance, I have not craved one glass of wine. It's like a natural high. I'm okay. I had to do a lot of work. I didn't just get here, but I learned. And I'm going to tell you one thing that I learned. I have two of these and two of these and one of these. <laughs> so I listen more. I observe more and I speak less. But when I speak, it's what I feel. It's, it's sincere. It's humble. It's kind. It's from a good place in my heart. But I never was able to do that until I discovered that love was always around me and I have to start inside. I agree. I agree. And that's my message. And that's why I wrote Shayla. And Shayla is a name that I like. So um, Shayla doesn't really, um, it doesn't have a meaning. It's just a yeah. name I like for a girl. So Shayla is a very brave little girl. She fought that monster very badly. And even when the scene at the cemetery, when he, she told him she hated him for having hurt her so bad. And he slept her, well, he slept me across my face after he asked me to dig a hole to put that box inside that hole. And I fell to the ground and the shovel was right there and I cut myself right here. And I have a scar right here where that took place. And I hated my face. All the time. You can't really see the scar. It's there, but it's not that it shows, but it, I know it's there. I see it. Emotionally. And if, if you look real close, you can also <clears throat> see it. And um, I hated my face all the time. So the things that I've been doing, that I've been doing the last three years, is survival shit. Yeah. And it's balance and loving who I am. And when I was very little, I used to love being outside and work on the farm with my father and learn things and be sweet and kind. And I can be pretty funny sometimes. Yeah. So I lost all that through my teenage years, my 20s, 30s and 40s. And now I see oh, I, I brought a picture to show you. So this was um, me at six years old. So I took this picture from the memories I have when I was a very little, and I put that on the desk when I was writing. Wow. And and um, I promised that I would get justice for her. And, and the sad thing is I used to call the picture, I used to call her her. <laughs> it's me, but I would say, Wasn't, isn't she cute? I never associated myself with her. And now I look at it and we actually put a picture of this picture in the book. I look at it and I say, how wonderful to know that that little girl was me when I was happy. So that's that's how I got here today. Well, you're here. And um, I want your, your book uh, published tonight, right? Yes. I, just, I want are you are you ready for for the journey you're about to embark on? Because you're 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 gonna change people's life. You're gonna have to talk about it quite a lot to to, yes. to be able to 
people to grasp where you're coming from and how important the movement you're trying to create and how much dedication it needs to build. Are you ready for that? Well, um, I think I am, but I don't know. I have no idea where this is going to take me, but I am prepared to go. Good. Good. And at first, I told people, if you want to know everything, this is the book that tells all. So if you want to know everything, it's in the book. I want to talk about moving forward. But people want to know. And they want to know from me. They know they can read the book. And um, when I talk about it, I am, um, I am strong and I'm confident that I can do it. It's just that when I talk about it in great detail, I break down a little bit and it's very sad. And but it's I, okay. It's okay. Yes, I jump right back because I made a decision to retire my victim badge. Mm. And I believe when you retire a, a police officer or a soldier or a nurse or a doctor, they don't work anymore. That's a technique that I applied to myself. So when when an individual is retired from a profession, then they're they don't they just don't go back to work anymore. They're retired. So I made a conscious decision to retire my victim badge. And when I talk about what happened, it's because I want people to know yes. that if I can do it, you can do it. Baby steps. And now I wear my triumph badge proudly. And I don't visit that place anymore. In 2017, I went back to the island where I was born. And I went to the church where all that had happened, the area where. And the um, the priest was no longer alive. He died in 2013. But when I went there, I said, um, I said something um like maybe a prayer or, or I have a, I had a conversation with my divine power. And I said, you are free to go from my mind and my heart. You do not belong in my life. I don't have the burden of have you have power over me. You are gone now. I am free. And I'm doing this for me, not you. That's right. That's right. And when I did that, that's when I retired my victim badge. I no longer want to have anything to do with that person that paralyzed me for almost 50 years. But um, what, what island are you from? I'm from the Azores, Portugal. Okay. The Azores, the nine islands in Portugal, off the coast of Portugal. And I'm from an island called Pico, P-I-C-O. That's where I was born and where I grew up. Are you? Are your parents still alive? Well, no, my parents they have passed, mm. and I only came out with this like as public as it is now. My my dad passed sometime in in the late eighties, I think, okay. and my mom passed in two thousand sixteen. So when I had my flashback and I wrote my first eight thousand words, mm -hmm. I would never publish something like that and I never wanted my mom to know because I never wanted to hurt her and and let her know that it happened during her watch 
I never wanted to tell my mother, you made me go, because she didn't know. If she had had the knowledge that I am trying to bring out to parents or anyone raising children, she wouldn't have let me go because she loved me so much. But she didn't know. Just like parents right now, the child doesn't want to go. Oh, she's a brat. She doesn't want to go. Yeah. Oh, she's spoiled. She doesn't want to go. Oh, she 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 doesn't want to do the work. No. If a child cries and says, mommy, don't let me go. Or if a young teenager, boy or girl, spend a lot of time in their room with the door closed and they're not talking to their parents, it's typical of a teenager they want privacy, but not 24-7. If they don't want to go to school or do schoolwork, or if they're sleeping too much, or if they're out of character, you have to pay attention. There's something going on. Yeah. And if you don't pay attention, that child is going to look for attention someplace else. So I agree. Do you, do you have uh, children of your own? I don't. I never had um, children. I was married for a while back in my early, my 20s. And I had the wonderful opportunity to um, to raise two, two young children that were not my own. And in my book, I make a dedication for them. Because I was a child myself. Mm, yeah, and I was not—I I was not a bad person. I never been in trouble with the law, or I've never been an alcoholic or anything like that. Never, never really been like that. But did I love them the way that they wanted to be loved? Probably not. Did I pay attention to them? Probably not, because I was looking for love myself, even though love was always there. But we have a nice um, relationship now, and. And it's not, we, we're okay now, but it was rocky. Yeah. The good yes. thing is that you're able to, because you, you let this out, you're able now to have life back into you. Yes. Mm -hmm. and, and that's the most important part. Yes. And, and when, when I arrive somewhere now, I bring the sunshine. Nice and easy and humble. In my past, I always needed to be the center of attention. I always needed to be the best of everything. I always needed to be right in the mix of whatever was going on. I was always on the go. I never wanted to be home alone. And it was tiring to, to live a life like that. I, I didn't even like myself. And um, let's say in the workplace, if, if, gossip sets up i was right in the mix because i needed to always be in the mix of everything now i have um very good friends i created an imaginary bubble around me and anybody is welcome in my world but the requirement is love sincerity humbleness and laughs and and just love yeah. Because love just loves. Is there, when you finish your book, is there a particular person in your life that you were hesitant to show what you have written? Yes. Um, 
my um, cousins and nieces and nephews that are still in the island and some high school friends that still live in the island. I prefer that they would never read it, <laughs> but now it's out on the internet and they all can read it if they want. Um, I was embarrassed. That priest was my high, um, during, I think my last two years in high school, he was the professor for Portuguese and history. And I was always, I didn't, I, I was not afraid that he'd do it again. Uh, I was more like disgusted with myself of yeah. what had happened. And I never did any work in high school. It was, I passed because I paid attention in class and I never missed class and, and I was smart, but I never did any work. I never really enjoyed, I didn't belong. And then to attend his classes, did he, um, did he, now that you being a, a teen, did he ever approach you, like, as you never. were a child? No, he never talked to me. He always passed me, always passed me. And um, when I was 13 years old, I was a very rebellious and defiant young girl. And my my father asked him for advice on what to do with me. Because my parents trusted him. He was the hero of the village. And him being the cause of everything. Yes. And he offered my father money to fly me to Canada and possibly find a family that would either adopt me or sponsor me to stay. And my father did. That's how much he trusted him. So when I was 13 years old, we went to Canada, paid by the priest. And... um we were there three weeks, and my father knew people there. He asked some people if they would sponsor me, but nobody wanted to take that responsibility. And I came back with my father three weeks later. Never talked to him again. He never talked to me again. When I left home at 18, I had an opportunity to leave to the United States. And my father never approved or disapproved he didn't like me anymore because I didn't obey the rules. I didn't um, go to church anymore. And my father just had this vision of me headed the wrong direction. And in the, I think in the, um, about a year before he passed in the late eighties, he was um, older and he was ill. And um, I went home to visit my father before he passed. And when I arrived, I kissed, he was on the bed. I kissed him on the forehead and he never looked my my direction. And I knew then that I, I, I was dead to him. And in my book, on a, on a good note, on a good note, I made peace with my mom before she died, but I never told her anything. But my mother always, and I were always very close after this. But in my book, I write a spiritual letter to my father. And in that letter, I tell him why I was late, why I didn't want to go. And the day that he approved for me to go to the priest's house on the summer vacation to help his elderly mother, I said that very night, 
this is what he did. And then a few weeks later, this is what he did to me. And when he brought me to you a couple of months later, during that summer vacation, I had been beaten. I had been raped. I had been pregnant. I had gone and aborted at the cemetery. And I had been told it was all a bad dream. So I say on the letter, my dear father, I'm sorry that I wasn't the daughter that you wanted me to be, but I was hurt. And then I tell him that now I am that person that he raised as a little girl. And he used to call me Ladybug. And I said, I am you Ladybug now. I do all those things that you taught me to treat the earth gentle and humble and to how to grow vegetables and flowers and how to love people. I do all that now and I am so blessed and thankful and grateful that I was able to get here. And that's why I want more than anything to reach out to anyone my age, older or younger, I'm 60. So my generation, there's a lot that people would never talk about. Yeah, I know. And I think it's also, um, in my opinion, right, in my perspective, I think it's it would be a good idea if your family members read it too over there in, in your country because you don't know if they went through a similar thing. Or there's people out there going through the same same thing out there. Yes. In 2016, I made a connection with a lady here in the United States that had been the priest's um, sex slave before me. Wow. She, but um, me, I was I was lucky that it was only went on for about a year. With her, it went on all throughout her teenage years. When she was a young, um, maybe in her early 20s, maybe mid-20s, she found a way to move to the United States, and she left, never went back. Um, me, on the other hand, I think because he took the abuse way too far, and I practically died that night because I was so young, and I was hurt badly. And his mother who I don't blame at all because like my mother or, or anybody's mother or father at that time, you would just hush hush and you keep it in the family because you don't want to shame the family. His mother cared for me and she promised me that that would never happen again. And I believed her because she was, she would, she did not approve. But again, he was is, a sick man. Yes. 1973. He was a sick you man. just, Unfortunately, I just recently watched um, the movie, The Color Purple. I had watched it years ago, but I watched it again because I wanted to watch the remake. And look what happened there. Mm -hmm. I could, I could, I was watching that movie and I, and like I said, I watched it years ago, but I watched it again before I watched the new one. And I'm sitting in on, on my chair watching that happened. Hmm. And, and nobody says anything. And that's how it was in my village. These people would do these things and get away with it. And the neighbors or, or 
other family members. They're just, let's, let's go about our business. Keep on going. I was that girl in the movie, The Color Purple. Not, not by my stepfather, thank God, or my father, but from the priest that was viewed as a hero on the island, a, a person of power. Yeah. It's so sad. What's, and, what was and their this, religion? A Catholic. Yeah. yeah. You know that um, last year I wrote a sworn statement to the Catholic Church in Portugal? They never replied. And then we followed up with another letter. All I was looking was for an apology. Acknowledgement. And the what? An acknowledgement. That's right. And um, they never replied. They never acknowledged receiving it. And we sent with a signature required for we know they received it. And um, then we also sent one to the Vatican. That for sure, we never, yeah. it probably never got opened. But then we followed up with another letter to the church. And, um, and they replied with a very simple note that said, the person being accused is deceased and no longer able to to defend for himself, something like that. Mm -hmm. And um, we are here to offer you support and counseling if you need it. Yeah. That was it. Portugal is one of the only, only countries mm. that has not acknowledged anything that had happened to victims of priest abuse. A lot of power. The Catholic Church has a lot of power on some of these countries. Well, I mean, we're not jump into, uh, maybe not jump into <laughs> that conversation, but you're not wrong. And this That's is right. why I, um, uh, my mother wanted me, well, she wanted me to do uh, communion, communion. Yes. First communion. Yeah, I did that with my sister, and um, I never looked back. I never looked back. Um, I never looked back because uh, these organizations, like you know, I'll just say I, I believe in God, but I don't believe in religion and, right. and orchestrated, uh, put together, structurized uh, organizations, and that's what it is. And uh, I, I do my best to drift away from respectfully everybody's belief, right? Uh, Excellent, but, yes. But keep my distance. That's what I do too. I don't ever judge anyone and I don't criticize and I don't ask questions and I don't, uh, whatever. I don't, I, I, uh, I want to be humble and kind. That's it. But in my bubble, in my bubble, I stay safe. Yeah. And whatever other people decide, that's that's up to them to decide what they want to do. However, if I ever see a child being hurt, I am going to speak up. I don't care who it is. Wrong, yeah. wrong. I agree. And a child is a pure, pure, the most purest ways of of being. And a child is carefree and they don't filter words. They say whatever. And they like to go places and they like to play. And they just they just love everything. If you're kind to them and sweet to them, a child is wonderful. They just want to be played with and, and have attention from whoever. If that child doesn't want to go, 
We need to know why. Because the child is not going to tell you if something's happening. And no person should have another child that it's not their own. Oh, sit here on Uncle whatever's lap. Okay, come and stay and sit in my lap. No, child should not be sitting on no man's lap unless it's their daddy or grandpa or father or somebody they trust and very that. much. And if that you if you're 40 or 50 or 60 years old and you always want to have a child on your lap, no. It's if it was my child, I'd be watching very close. Or if your child goes to daycare and there's a creep around, uh the daycare's older brother or uncle living next door. There's a reason why creeps should not are not allowed in school districts. If there's a creep hanging around or somebody that doesn't have a job and they're a bomb, I'm sorry to judge, but if that person, man or woman, is creeping around and wants to be alone with that child, no. I know a young lady that her aunt molested her. Her own aunt had sexual acts with this young lady. And now, well, she went to jail because when the the girl um, got a little older as a teenager, she told people. And the aunt went to jail. She's out of jail now. But this young lady, she's now in her late 20s. She lives with that chain. Why did she pick me? Was I ugly? Was I fat? Was I stupid? Why didn't she pick my sister? Well, maybe she did. And the sister never said anything. And... The aunt's sister, the little girl's mother, trusted her own sister. But that little girl didn't want to go. And the mother thought that she didn't want to go because she was a little spoiled brat and didn't want to go. We need to find out why. Creeps come from all walks of life. Young teenagers, boys or girls, you just never know. You never know when a child is being molested. And I, I don't want to come across one of these people. Oh, I don't trust anybody. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it's not like that. There's the truth. I, what I don't trust is when the child says, Mommy, I don't want to go. Why don't you want to go, sweetie? I just don't want to go, Mommy. Please don't make me go. There we go. That's it. That's your answer. They may not want to go today because they don't feel good, but they're going to want to go the other days. It's not just because a child doesn't want to go today because they don't feel good. No, it's if it's a constant I don't want to go. We need to find out. I agree. I agree. Where can we find your book? Where can you tell the people uh, before we go, tell the people yes. where they can find your book, where they can find you, how to get in contact with you and, and grow. Anything you want to know about me, LaFranceMedia.com. So LaFrance, it's L.A. And then France, like the country, Media.com. Oh. And that website, you can see everything you want to see. We have a press release that talks about the details of what happened. Um, you can purchase the book. You can look at pictures. You can see the video. You can know everything. There's actually a picture of my mom and dad when I was little. And um, it's a very nice website. And you can purchase the book, 1995. And if you want the book on uh, Kindle, then you go to Amazon. Shayla Regina LaFrance or Shayla LaFrance or Shayla Regina because there's a, a, ch a child's book named Shayla. So if you just saw Shayla, that book's been there for a while. It comes right up. 
So Shayla Regina LaFrance, it comes right up. $8.95 for Kindle, uh, very affordable. If you want to read the book before the actual book comes out, go ahead and get that one. I have some people that are already reading it tonight. And then when the physical book is ready, then I'll sign that for them. And uh, Facebook, Shayla, the book that tells all, that's my page. Anyone that wants to find me, they can find me on Facebook or they can reach out to my publicist um, through the website. She is wonderful. She is amazing. She will make it work no matter what. She's there for me. She's there to mentor me and support me and anything that I want to do. One thing that I want to do is go to um, Oregon, Portland. They have the biggest bookstore in the world. Wow. And I want to do an event there. I also, she's going to start reaching out to producers to morning talk shows to have me come in and tell them how or what my mission is. She's also going to be presenting uh, my story to producers in Hollywood. And hopefully someone will want to look at it. And um, there's no telling where I'm going. Just tell me where you need me and I'll 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 go. I'll I'll speak to to the women and the men that need to hear it that if I did it, they can do it. And let's just change things. Boom. Well, there you have it, ladies and gentlemen. Go support her. Go get her go get her book. Um if you're going through something, speak up. One last one one last question before we go, Regina. If you have the opportunity uh, to give someone advice that's going through or went through the same thing you've gone through, what words of wisdom can you give them? So what I would say is baby steps. You have to look in the mirror and decide what is it that you wish for more than anything. Like for me, it was to have peace of, peace of mind and not be so sad all the time inside. So look in the mirror, tell yourself why you're hurting and what you'd like to see yourself do. Uh, positive books, the power of positive thinking, the power of attraction, the secret, um, so many different books. I read Dr. Phil, I read Joel Steen, just, there's just so many. Pick one and read it and start writing down your positive affirmations. I am worthy. I am wonderful. I am enough. There you go. And and you can find those on YouTube. Those those videos I am. That's all you need to know to get started. It's not going to be easy. It was not easy for me to say I am wonderful. But I learned. I said it so many times that my brain began to believe it. And I started liking who I am and who I have become. A person that lives a balanced life, humble and kind. And don't remember, and don't forget, we have two of these and two of these and one of these. So we got to do less of this and more of this. Yes. And there you have it, ladies and gentlemen. Um, Go support her. Um, Go connect with her. If you're going through something, speak up. You have support, like in Regina. Um, and with that, I'll leave you. Make sure you go to Deal Talk TV, like and subscribe our YouTube channel. Go follow me on Mr. Dot on Instagram, 
I'm on Facebook and uh, have a good night, guys. Regina, thank you.